Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. Thanks for joining us this week. Very excited for this week's show as we fly north of the border into Canada to go to Woodbine Racetrack, where this weekend is the Queen's Plate the oldest continuous race in North America, or so the Canadians are telling us. Um, but before we get into that, we have a special guest this week, which we'll get to in a second. I want to welcome in my partner, the King of Timonian, Gary Quill. GQ, how are you today? I am doing great. Post-Derby, post I actually had authentic, and I, I truly believe, as far as a top pick in the Derby, that may have been the first time I said, this is the horse I like to win, and it actually won since Ali Sheba in 1987. So, I mean, a few years back, I had, I had like, the uh, Orb um, uh, triple box. Now, I had the three horses picked in the top three, but a stone-cold um, winner, so Authentic did it for me. But uh, Derby is over, on to the Queen's Plate. Yep, and we had a good week for our podcast listeners uh, last week. We gave out uh, you know, some good wins. There. We say don't just listen to me or, or to you, you know, listen how we handicap and all, but we definitely had a good week. I know some people made some money off the podcast, so hopefully we can keep it up this week. And our guest this week is Tommy Massis. Uh, he's known as Tommy the Hammer uh, for his betting style. And I can tell you personally, I've learned so much just following him on Twitter. I've reached out to him on Twitter, uh, direct message, and he's so nice. He got back to me as well. Uh, over the last few months and year. Uh, and, and I've really probably modeled, modeled my betting style more on his style than anyone else's that I've come in contact with. So I'm really excited uh, to hear from him. He's going to go over the five races that consist of a late pick five at Woodbine. Uh, GQ uh, did a brief interview with him. And then after that, we go through the races. So uh, we're going to go to GQ with Tommy Massis right now. Hey, gang. Um we got a great guest this week because we're celebrating at Woodbine. It's Queen's Plate Day with the Queen's Plate and a bunch of other um, stakes races. So we decided to search north of the border for a guy who I met years ago. And I am uh, glad I did because he is a great character. He's going to be a great guest. It's the one, the only, Tommy the Hammer Massis. He is a professional horse player and a number one character. And I understand of late is the king of Hong Kong pick six racing. Tommy, welcome to our podcast. My pleasure, guys. Great to be with you guys today. Hey, Tommy. Um, give us uh, what has currently your biggest uh, hit uh of late from uh, the world of horse racing yeah it was uh the end of april i was just dabbling with hong kong and i got very lucky to turn 810 dollars to almost 1.2 million nice now that's 1.2 billion canadian american or yen canadian canadian awesome which is actually a better value than you U.S. dollar, I believe. So that's no, no, not these days. <laughs> no, no, like uh, no. It's like 
it's close to 40% the conversion. Oh gosh, boy, that's how long I've been out of the currency exchange. But anyway, Tommy, thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we're gonna go over the late pick five at Woodbine. But before we do, I just wanted to ask Tommy, kind of, you know, quick history of how he wound up getting into horse racing and turned it into a profession. So give us the cliff notes of uh, where, where he started and where he ended up. They're called Coles notes over here. <laughs> Are you talking about the cheat notes you got in school for just Shakespeare? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you didn't have to yeah, read ours the books. So. They were called Coles Bookstore. Okay. The same thing. So, so I remember when I was a kid, the first time I went to the track, I was like 10 years old and my uncle, my cousin, a couple of the neighborhood guys went to see Secretariat at Woodbine and I didn't really like enjoy five seconds of that day. <laughs> but as I got a few years from that, all the guys that, you know, in the neighborhood, they would go to the trots at night. And somehow I ended up going once with my uncle and my cousin and then that was it. They, they couldn't get rid of me from that day on. I just loved hanging around with, all, you know, not only my cousin and my uncle, the pool guys in the neighborhood were there. And then, you know, they'd make a hit. I'd go get coffees. They'd give you a couple dollars. And, you know, it was easy for me to fall in love. And it actually took me maybe a year before I would wager money on them. Hmm. I just love hanging around with those characters and people from my neighborhood. And I basically never stopped my love for horses. And it, it took me till about 2009 to really get my shit together in life and focus on, on making this a living. And somehow, I don't know how, but I did it. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, that, like, that, that's amazing because I myself, I, you know, I have the same love and enjoyment. I'm sure Eric does as well. I just don't have the balls to, to make a living off of it because I know that I, I certainly even just, uh, as, as doing it part-time or as, uh, entertainment, I'm not making that much money. So is it just, your personality or how do you say, okay, I want to eat, to, I want to eat next month. You know, uh, uh, you, you, how, how do you get to that point? Well, it was advice my mom gave me from like, from the first job I had out of high school and basically worked in a meat factory. And after my first two weeks of work, I blew both paychecks like in a day. <laughs> and my mom just said, listen, if you want, 10 or 20 bucks to go to the track, you can have it, but don't go work for 40 hours to burn your money. You can't work and gamble. And it took me, you know, a long time for to finally believe those words and, and see that when I, when I had income, I never had money. And when I didn't, I had money. Hmm. And then it was just focus. Now I got to do it without working. I got to put all my time into it. And it just took, when I decided to do it, it just took help from a friend who supported me financially, told me not to worry about the money. If we lost, we were partners and told me basically, 
what I was doing wrong and steered me right down the right path where, you know, it didn't take long from, from me being his student to me being his teacher. It wasn't that long at all. Wow. Cause I was ready, I was ready to say, so you had a mentor through that, but kind of the tides changed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, when your back's up against the wall and, and, you know, you finally know what you have to do and you got to take, you got to take the, the fan out of you. You know, I'd be the guy that'd get excited. Ooh, the derby's coming, the derby's coming. I'd be bouncing off the walls like, like a sick little degenerate that I was, right? <laughs> and start to get exci- stop getting excited about things like that and turned it into work, turned it into instead. I couldn't wait, you know, from not being able to wait till the weekend to bet the ponies. I couldn't wait for the weekend to be over to not bet the ponies. Wow. And, and got that focus where it's work. Even even to the point of, you know, if I'm the odd time like Keelan's running, I'm playing two tracks. I don't even lift my head off off my shoulders to watch the races. It's work. I'll watch those races another day. Just trying to eliminate all the fun, all the emotion out of the game was the only way. Just to focus on it and focus on that bottom line, and that's it. That's all that has to matter. And it's not easy because. I'm always a fan of this game. I always will be a fan of this game. And you just have to just, you know, you know, maybe it was luck or not, but I was at a point in my life that if I didn't do this, I was in trouble. So it was my only way out and it was easy to focus and, you know, years and years of making all the mistakes and doing all the stupid things. And it just, it just all came together. Well, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it, it, it's your job, it's your profession, and you have to focus, and you, you can't get excited it's about to know where your, I guess, wheelhouse is as far as what you know you can uh, make money on. Um, at what point did you get involved in contests? I know you're a big contest guy. Well, a local Canadian by the name of Brian Troop won the NHC I would say 2010-ish, um, get around then, okay. maybe a bit before. And he was a regular at Woodbine. I had known him for a long time. And he said, you know, if you ever want to come on the road with me, you're more than welcome. We'll go play a contest. And my first uh, contest on the road was at Laurel Park. And I went there with Brian and... I remember just it was either the last race at, at Aqueduct or the second. I bet all my bankroll on a 25 to one shot, just missed a photo, came back, and I was kind of, you know, a bit upset. I would have won the contest easily. And, you know, for me, the contest was over. And I'm talking, we were sitting at one of these like wedding tables where there's like eight people, four on each side. And, you know, I was really ignoring all these people. I was really focused on, you know, and I start chit chatting. And I asked the guy next to me, so how are you doing? He goes, well, I got like $400. I go, so you only got a few. He goes, no, 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 I'm taking that $400. That's, I'm good, right? And, and I went, you know, talking to people and everyone, you know, was saying like, yeah. Then I went and looked at the leaderboard. Everyone's like quitting without trying to win. And it was like, I can't remember. I think the first prize was like fifteen or 20000 or twenty. You know, it was good money to, to, you know, that you get paid off. If you risk that 400 not only would you hit, you know, the horse you bet on, you're getting, you know, it was, it made it so easy to gamble. No one was gambling. Huh. 
And then after it was all done, Brian, you know, I'm walking around with Brian, he's introducing me to people and told everyone, you know, Tommy bet 300 or 400 on that. And everyone said the same thing. Why didn't you bet win place? Right? And I'm going, oh, I don't bet place, right? And didn't say nothing. Didn't know them well enough to, sure. <laughs> to make fools of them. Like a friend of mine said it to me, I would have laid into him about the win play. So I left there. I talked to a friend of mine about this contest. And he goes, he goes, you just stick to them. He goes, you can't lose against these people, right? He goes, you know, they all think you should have bet win place where it wouldn't have won you the contest. You know, like, he goes, they're a bunch of dopes. And then all the guys sitting there, you know, and, and I know a lot of them qualified on a feeder contest at Laurel. Right. You know, so it's all this dead money in there. And right there, I'm going, you know what? Not only did I have fun, you know, this, this, you know, there's, there's weak, weak opposition here. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, so I got onto that, you know, I went to Keeneland 2012. I came second in, in a contest there, qualified for the Breeders' Cup, came eighth there, you know, got a few bucks at Keeneland, about 37,000 at, at the, the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita that year. And still, I couldn't, you know, I didn't, I never got into it, the online contest, but I really enjoyed traveling. I really enjoyed, you know, Laurel Park was nowhere near as nice then as it is now, but I enjoyed going to that beat up old track and standing at the top of the stretch, could barely see, it didn't matter to me. I was, I was like in a place, you know, it's like a new Shangri-La for me. Every, every, every track I go to, it's a new, no matter the smallest place to the biggest place. And I made a point of not playing contests, but traveling to, to racetracks, taking these mini vacations, and at the same time, factoring contests into that vacation. Yeah, that uh, it, it's funny you said that about Laurel and just the fact that every new track is just, you know, regardless of what it looked like, um, we, we go back to a... Uh, Facebook uh, horse racing group. That's how we got to know one another. And we met when you had told me you knew I was from the Maryland area. And you said, hey, I'm going to be at Delaware Park. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. that's, you know what, let, let me stop you there. Well, I, Delaware is where I fell in love with contests. And I, they had uh, Bill Moore, I think that was his name. Bill Moore ran two contests a year that were great contests. And yes, I, yes. And it, by the last time I went there, I was going there with 12 people, like wives, daughters, everybody <laughs> wanted to come to the no-tax shop in, in Delaware, yes. right? No, it was great, that, and, and, and I loved it. I, I look forward to those two trips like, like I do Keeneland now. And I remember, cool. I remember the day we met there, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, that was cool, and that's, you know, that was my indoctrination of what you were all about, and that you just loved traveling, and you got into all these contests. So since, since you've done these contests and you won the, the Breeders' Cup Challenge in 2015 at Keeneland, do you approach every, you know, these contests differently? And you don't have to give away any secrets, but do you just have a certain way that you go about these contests or do you measure up your competition? Like you, you found out at Laurel that it seemed like guys were more afraid to lose than wanting to win. Yeah, well, right now, the, the live contests, uh, which 
haven't been around this year, but everyone plays the same way. They wait till the last race or two to take their shot. Right. So like just saying the Keeneland contest where you have to bet half your bankroll in the last two races. I don't even print out those two races when I first look at the form. Cause I know I'm not going to take my shot in those two races cause everyone else's. So right. that's the one strategy I have. But other than that, every, every set of PPs for every day is like, you know, a snowflake. They're different. And, you know, I always say until the cards are dealt, you can't really make a decision. I've, I've gone all in the, the last time I played at Keeneland, I went all in, in the first race, hit a nine to one shot, went all in again on a three to five shot. I qualified for everything, but you know, I could, I didn't win it. Right. I've wanted, put this, I've won it with 35 to one shots. I've won a contest. I've won it with a $42 exactor. I've won it with a $4 and 20 cent win mutual and just <laughs> whatever, you know, wherever you find your spot, you got to take it. Right. And, that, and that's the thing I never understood, or that's what I disliked about contests. There are these guys who who win one contest, and then all of a sudden they build themselves as the greatest handicapper ever because they knew what they needed come the last race, and they got lucky because that price horse that they needed to win actually won. Whereas, like you're saying, it's like I, I would look at the card, the races I have to bet, and if the nine to one in the first race of the contest is my best horse, why am I going to hold out on that? Yeah, it's, it's hard for people. See, most people go to the track. It's, it's, it's a social event. And when you get to, especially at these contests, they get to see their friends, you know, they haven't seen since the last contest. And, and I try to explain to one friend of mine, I go, you know, he was in a two day contest. He loved the horse. He had two contest spots. He had two tickets. And, and this horse pays $34 in the last race. And the next day I go, how the hell are you not in first? He goes, well, what do you want me to do? I go, bet it all. He goes, what do you mean bet it all? I go, you have two tickets, bet it all on at least one of them or not both of them. And he goes, oh, both of them. Then what happens if I go broke? I go, I want to lend you 20 bucks to play the next day. That guy's a millionaire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I go, what's the difference? You know, you had an opportunity, but guys want to sit there all day. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I want to bet. So if they like a horse in the third race, they'll bet a hundred or 200, but they're so petrified to go right. broke. Imagine exactly. that you're a horse player and you're petrified to go broke. Like, Makes no you know, sense. Yeah. And it's, it's just the mentality of it that they want to sit there all day, whittle away, whittle away. And it, it's like, you know, it's like a theatrical thing. Like they, they're, they're trying to build up the suspense all day to, you know, like a classic to, to a big crescendo in the end. Right. Exactly. They don't have the guts to do it early. Right. At the end, now there's one race to go. They go, well, I guess I got to push it all in now. Yeah. You know, it's time to go home. Right. Totally you know, agree. You know, you know how many times I've been the first guy out and, yeah. and on to business, go into my pocket B and start playing horses. Like I normally do. It's just like, I, I don't get it, but People keep playing that way because if 80% of the people are playing that style, most of the time, one of them is going to win. So it seems like a great idea. Right. Exactly. And I know one guy won a big contest at Gulfstream. And in his interview, he said, he goes, well, I've been following these things. And it seems that the strategy, the correct strategy is to wait to the end. <laughs> really? Right? <laughs> you know, if everyone's waiting to the end, somebody has to win it at the end. Right. Right. And so it's just, to me, that's the biggest advantage. And, and it's, 
it's human nature and people won't change. Even the people I explain it to don't get it. They just don't want to change. Right. I, well, before we get, or as we segue into getting your thoughts on the um, late pick five on uh, at Woodbine on Saturday for Queens Plate Day, uh, I'll ask my co-host, Eric, do you have anything uh, specific you want to ask Tommy? No, I do have a bunch of handicapping questions for him, but maybe we can do it as we go through the races because no, no, go ahead, Eric. Let's get it out of the way and then. <laughs> okay, sure. Once he gets on a roll. <laughs> no, no, because I. Yeah, I'll go through the angles on why I like horses and that, but no, no. All right, Woodbine specific questions. How do you handicap a horse coming from turf to synthetic? Do you on, on the Woodbine track? Do you look at his turf races that much? Do you not look at them that much? Is it similar? Well, here it's tricky because there's three three distinct surfaces: the inner turf, the outer turf, and, and the synthetic, and, and it makes it makes it a lot harder than two that's for sure and and the thing is that'll that'll trick you is trying to figure out if you're a guy a buyer guy or a thoroughgraph guy or any kind of sheet number guys they really don't add up what a horse runs on the on the turf or the inner or or the synthetic you can't compare those numbers between the three surfaces that's for sure it's like Anyone who runs on the inner usually runs a real high buyer. And then you see when they run on the main or the, or the outer turf, it's like not even close. So, so I think playing a track like Woodbine, you really got to be careful on how you, uh, you know, take that data as in figures in. You got to really separate the three surfaces as three different. You, you can't compare a horse that ran a 90 on the synthetic against a horse that ran a 70 on the turf. Gotcha. I think if you just say 90 and 7, it's not that cut and dry, nowhere near being cut and dry. All right, good, because that's what I did, so I'm happy you said that. Um, and what about horses trying the synthetic for the first time? Like in race 8, we don't have to get into it yet, but there's a horse, uh, Chad Summers horse, who never was on a synthetic, only on a dirt track, not even on turf. How do you handicap that, or how do you factor that in? Do you look at breeding? Is there something else you look at, trainer sets? Just looking. Oh, the truth hurts. Okay. Yeah. You know, you take one look at his breeding, and I say, yeah, why not, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, I first look. I, I would look at it like just say he was running on the turf for synthetic, and say to myself, just off of that, if he, every, you know, if he runs like that, how does he fit in here? Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the point where, yeah, you know what, maybe I like this horse. I think the odds can decide for you to push you one way or the other. Right. Okay. I I think this horse, he's about, I'm just looking through the rest of them. Yeah. Those those odds are, are kind of fair in here, but you know, if, if he was 20 to one, yeah, you, you, you know, you tend more to jump on him than not. Right. I, right. I, I think, cause you know, like how, how do you really know? Like I, I see a woodbine where there's horses that can't run a step on the turf and can run on synthetic and vice versa. Right. And how do you really know that until they do mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. 
Um, all right. So as we go through this, um, do you want to start mentioning some horses? Do you want us to start? Whatever's uh, whatever's good for you. Well, the, just, the, the, the first thing the race eight gives me a headache is a 20 cent pick five and a 20 cent pick six start on the same yep. leg. I got yep. I got I to complain to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad yeah, I, I looked like, at the wagering menu because I was going to start with race nine. And then I looked at the wagering menu. I'm like, ooh, wrong race for the late pick five. But yeah, I, I, I don't get what they're doing. I know there's another pick five earlier. Mm hmm. I think race, there's two of them. Before. Well, there's one in race six, which they usually only have one a day and it starts in the second race. Right. But there's one in race six, but whatever. I'm, I'm not playing that power pick six with stolen money, but just that no. <laughs> starting with two bets on the same race like that is just like, what can the logic possibly be? Right. Yeah. Yep. You're going to play one or the other, not both. Most well, I'm never going to play the pick six there, right. but, but yeah, I might play the pick five. I think I will play the pick five as, as far as, you know, the eighth race being a race I can use for sure. So getting into race eight, I know there's a couple horses I like. There are actually some prices. Um, is there anyone that stands out to you or anyone you, you want to talk about that interests you? Yeah, well, I'll start with the, the four to five shot, uh, Fleet Catherine. Last mm -hmm. time out, uh, the horse that came third, Marivaux, the owner put in a rabbit, okay? Put in a rabbit that really screwed up the race to set up Marivaux. Hmm. Stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life because Curlin's Voyage is the confirmed stone closer of the race. So they set up Curlin's Voyage. <laughs> Marivaux, who's won races on the lead and has stalked most of the time, went and sat at the back. Meanwhile, a fleet Catherine, who has the same trainer as Marivaux and the Rabbit, got screwed out of winning the Oaks, was for sure the best horse that day. Interesting. You know, Curlin's Voyage is a real nice horse. The race set up, because this horse, you know, a fleet Catherine going into the first turn was going like right near the lead and just tucked in behind. And the whole, you know, the whole race was right close to that pace, which was on a synthetic. That's that's the only way you go forty six and three a mile and eighth on synthetic is with a rabbit. It just doesn't happen. Okay. It, it was a bunch of malarkey to put it <laughs> nicely. What happened in that race? Uh, Bill and Ella Willing, you know, came up with this brainstorm and basically cost their trainer the Oaks. Wow. And this horse, you know, he kept digging and digging at Curlin's Voyage. It was sitting dead last the whole race. So. If this horse runs anywhere near that race, I can only see really one other horse beating him, and that's a horse that came out of the same race who was severely compromised in the race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because my, my notes on a Fleet Catherine watching the last race, I actually thought he had a really, really good trip, um, saving ground right behind the speed, like you said, but I guess you're, you're saying he was too close to the pace that it compromised him. Where I didn't think the race fell apart that much, that I thought he was in a good spot, but uh, I'm sure well, you know the, more about it. So, Well, the two horses that sat last and second last came first and third. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, who else was in the race? Mizenbo was the other horse in the race. See, he was, he was in third in that race. And like you said, Mizenbo had a, basically a three-wide uh, trip. He was bumped hard early, uh, lost some momentum. He ended up going four-wide on that first turn for a little bit after he was bumped. 
so he was third and he hung on for fourth. So I, I thought maybe the closers were just the better horses. But again, I know you know this a lot better than me. Uh, I was actually going to try and beat a fleet Catherine. He was a pot or she was a possible throw in, but I hate throwing in a four to five shot. Uh, is it, so, and Mizenbo is the horse I actually like the most. I, I think Mizenbo is, is really good in this race. Yeah, um, I think the, I, horse, the horse that really got compromised in that race was just leave it alone. Yeah. It's uh, the six horse, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah so just nine that day, and when that, when that rabbit uh, bells Bayou was done, she, mm -hmm. she finished off her 46 and three half by bouncing off two or three horses that were actually coming. Yep. She lost all chance uh, at that point. She was moving a little bit at that point. So um, that, that's why I like to, I like the one, four, six here. How do you feel about betting? I mean, I know you don't like her obviously, cause you mentioned who you like, but a maiden, should I worry about that in this race? I mean, 20 to one, four to one, I went better, but the one horse at 20 to one, I thought um, last race just had a very wide trip. She was a little awkward early as well. Yeah, she, she, she lost in that photo. I think there's a few of them across the track that they mm -hmm. would just leave it alone. No, it's a trainer. She takes her time and gets them, gets them there slowly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying to me, to me, if, if, uh, I think the, the line, the, the morning line on just leave it alone is horrid, right? 20 to 1. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I put him in front of Mizimbo, you know, in that race. I actually put him, I put him, I put that horse as third best in that race behind the, the first two. And 20 to 1 morning line is the only reason I'll use that horse with a Fleet Catherine. Like to me, yeah. a Fleet Catherine is a single. Okay. It's a horse that's just getting better and better, you know win barely win two two turf races going one turn goes two turns for the first time runs you know to me she was much the best in that race it's just it's just like you have to watch enough races here they don't go 46 right. 11 in races they just don't yeah no matter how good they are they just don't they just don't do that right and i thought the um i actually thought ballrooms in, of mars the one horse I thought she outran uh, the six, just leave it alone, two back uh, on August 2nd. It was the last race from Ballroom of Mars. It was two back for just leave it alone. And I thought just leave it alone improved a lot. And you mentioned it and we talked about it right in trouble. Um, so I figured the one horse, if she ran as well or better, because I thought she had a wide trip that day. Um, you know, I figured if I like the six, I should like the one also. But you're definitely scaring me with the two. So I'm going to have to reevaluate. Yeah, no, just the six. The six, the six had that another race against way better competition mm -hmm. you know and, and and you look at before that the the six lost lost uh lost uh you know a head bob to the the winner of uh of the oaks right mm -hmm. yep and then come back with that kind th those 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 two races that seven furlong race against curlin's voyage wasn't that great even though it was curlin's voyage yeah. you know i agree you know, it was just, you know, there's a horse got on the lead going one turn at Woodbine. That's kind of slow, 23-46. Next race was good. You know, and, you know, you see the, the horse she beat was Ballroom of Mars. Maybe it wasn't. But that, that last race, it, yes. you know, and I hate, I, hate, I hate the jockey that was on him. I hate the jockey that's on him now, right? They're mm -hmm. not going to do him no favors in tight spots, but that last race just puts me in there where like, you know, if the horse goes off 20 to one, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to play the race inside the race, not only as a, in multi-leg races. 
But see, I, I, try, I try not to get too crazy. I, I know too many people that try it. When they see four to five in the program, they get all excited. That's the horse they want to beat. That's the horse you have to beat. And I get it. Most people are spreaders and they're pick fours and pick fives. And, and it just, it's just hypnotizing those low morning lines to people they want to beat them. But when you look at this horse, he's supposed to be four to five. You know, it's fourth lifetime race off, off that last race. And, you know, it's supposed to be four to five in here. And, and it would take, you know, I'm not going to talk you off the one at 20 to one. You might even made me put me, him in, you know, her in as a B somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know at this track anymore or any track. You never know what horses are going to go off at. Tommy. Yeah, that's true. I, I was surprised when I saw the morning line a little bit. Um, but again, I guess I'm not as high in the fleet captain as I should be. GQ, did you have anything you wanted to uh, yeah, add to what just, horses? Yeah, Tommy, you earlier said, you know, as we go down here, you'll talk about angles or whatever. Uh, I have this crazy uh, liking of second time with blinkers on, which is the eight horse gun society. I mean, three back was nowhere to be found against Curlin's voyage and uh, just leave it alone. Uh, and, and others in here. Um, what type of angles, if any, do you, uh, you know, regardless of how the horse looks in the form, do you uh, prescribe to? It's just, it's just more for me. It's like, like that last race of Gun Society. You'd have to go and look at it again. It, it was a lot worse than it actually seemed. <laughs> she had a, she had a breakaway and got run down by the only horse that was running. I'm pretty sure a uh, horse went down. The favorite was circling wide and went down on the turn. Uh, mm -hmm. And a horse. Yeah, she like was Des mid pack at the time when she went down that horse. Yeah, and a horse like Desdemona, who's like a 15 claimer, got actual kind of black type in that race. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, I'd watch that race again. And, and, and I take nothing away from Roger Adfield. His horse is just, he's another guy. His horses get better and better and better and better and better and just keep getting better until you don't, you know, until they're laid up. So I see the natural progression with this horse, and I don't, I don't know if it's blinkers, but it's definitely, uh, you know, you look at from the bottom of the page, right? Right. Last year, you see how they just keep getting better and better? Sure. And it's just, it just seems to be to a horse, and then has a layoff from November and comes out, and, you know, better, 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 and going to take the next step forward for sure until they hit their peak. Hopefully that next step. Angle, second time blinkers, that now I'm looking more at seeing things trainers do and say, oh yeah, I, I know what you're up to. Gotcha. All right, hopefully that uh that progression does not happen today. <laughs> GQ might be happy, <laughs> it might not be good enough though, right? Yeah, I don't think right. so personally either. But um all right, so we're ready for race nine, the Canadian grade two. So I guess we'll start with the Canadian to uh, tell us about the race a little bit. Uh, Tommy, if you want to uh, mention anything about this race. I, I have a couple of words I like, but I'm curious to hear what you say. Look, I'm a guy who's going to just tell you right now, I didn't even look at this race for two seconds. I went to the 10 horse. Uh, <laughs> look at the, the first place finishers in Cambier Park's race. Cambier yep, right. Park, Cambier Park, Concrete Rose, total monster. Cambier <laughs> Park. Concrete Rose, total monster. Cambier yep. Park, Cambier Park, 
and power gal on the dirt. Yeah, and six to five would be a gift. Yeah, it's not, you know, to me, it's just uh, like two of the pick five, cheap. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, who, who, you know, what kind of dream you got to come up with in here to have a horse beat this horse? I, I guess if you were arguing against it, and I'm not, um, there's one other horse I like, but definitely can be a part. I guess the argument would be the layoff, and she didn't run great. I mean, she ran to get Concrete Rose off the layoff on that Derby undercard, a newspaper record that day. Uh, but, you know, speed figure-wise, it was not that great of a race, and it was, a, um, you know, off the layoff. But, again, that's, that's really, you know, trying to find something that's not there probably. The only other horse that I thought had an outside chance, maybe if she's not totally ready off the layoff, was Amalfi Coast. Um, I thought it was a four-year-old, maybe is improving. Uh, came off the layoff. I'm, I'm looking at buyer speed figures. Got the 69 on June 6th, but had a ton of trouble uh, that race. And then came back June 27th. And I thought that was a race. Elizabeth Way won another time they were in this race. I thought speed just held that race. Um, so I, I thought she was really uh, up against it with no pace to close. And I just think, again, slowly improving. I don't know how to read that synthetic race. When I'm handicapping, let's say like Belmont or some other track, if they go from like the dirt back to the turf, I almost, I don't know if it's right. It seems to be working for me, but um, you know, I almost ignore that race for the most part uh, that's on a different surface. So I don't know if I should look at that synthetic race as anything, but it was similar to a synthetic run back last year. So it wasn't necessarily an improvement, but I just felt that her races, her two turf races this year are a lot better than they look. And speed figure wise, it doesn't put her that far behind can be a park. So if personally I was going here, I might use 610 uh, instead of just singling the 10, but I, I don't think you have to go deeper than, than that at all. Uh, GQ, you have thoughts to add? No, I, I concur. I, I see that there's a mad genius sighting with the one horse, Theodore B, um, wound up winning the Breeders' Cup uh, mile with the Hoss way back when at Woodbine. So, uh, he don't train too many of them these days, but uh, I guess uh, he'll, he'll be up there walking the turf course beforehand, making sure where the best uh, lane is on the turf course. Now, Tommy, you, uh, you're saying there's two turf courses up there. The thing that I don't get is why don't the PPs come out and say which turf course it does or, or does it in the DRF? Okay. Doesn't say that. <laughs> well, look at number two court return, right? Gotcha. Yeah, it's got the turf. That's the inner, just like the inner at Saratoga. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. I'm sorry. The blocks but, instead of the circles. Right, but but and, I'm talking about, about court return, I'm, right? Yeah. Look at her form before her last win. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then look who runs second to her last time. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. There you go. And if I showed you Desdemona's form, right? <laughs> like was running 15 non-winners of three two starts back. Right, right. Okay, forget about that race. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dickinson comes here. He, he's been, he's you know, he's done well here, right? Yeah. Go, go to that horse's race two back, and you see Super Escape and Painting and another tie. Those are the horses that uh, – Amalfi Coast has, have run with. So gotcha. that, that, that synthetic race that Amalfi Coast ran was great. Those are two nice horses, Super Escape and Painting. Mm -hmm. okay. And that race did kind of fall apart, I'm pretty sure. 
they all come off the pace, but still a good feel. And I tell you the thing I hate about Amalfi Coast, and, and you're right about everything. Quarter and and nobody could take a hold of that that day, but it was nobody was more to a rope, correct. The one thing I do hate, and I hate it with a passion, is running seven and a half, two turns, a mile, one turn, and then one turn on the sun. These are things trainers in England would, you know, drink poison over. <laughs> they saw things like this. Definitely. Yeah. It, and stick, it, like, stick to it. I know, I know, I know the condition books and I know looking for races, but you know, this is a horse that, and, and I couldn't tell you what he should do. Well, for me, he should sprint. Right. But okay. you know, a one turn mile, you know, woodbine turf racing, uh, the outer turf, most of it is one turn. So a one turn mile or, a, you know, one turn seven furlong race. Yeah. They're kind of the same too. It's that inner turf race, that two-turn race I don't like, you know. Well, Amalfi won. They've uh, done this horse, you know, it's never won a two-turn race. Yeah. Yeah, Amalfi won at this uh, same course, right, at a mile and eighth last year I'm against different horses, obviously. But so at least I guess the course distance is okay, perhaps. Yeah, you know, this is a race, but, you know, just – Forget about speed figures and all that. I go down. I see Cambier Park. I know the horse. You know, beat he, she beat newspaper record. The only two blemishes on her turf career are a horse that I was madly in love with from the first start of its life at twelve to one, and uh, Concrete Rose. So, wow. You know what are you gonna do? You know, you know, is this horse ready? It's Chad Brown. <laughs> right. See, I'm not looking. You know, I'm looking to play. You know, if I'm, if I'm betting a $1 pick five, I'm looking to spend $1, hopefully. So try to, you know, you know, Malfi Coast, six to one, you know, no. Even if I really liked her second pick, no. But 20 to one, maybe. But there, there, there's no one in here that's going to crack my ticket except that horse. Gotcha. All right. And it's more yeah. to my style. You know, I'm not looking to... I'm not looking to spread. I'm not looking to play it for 20 cents or 50 cents, you know. And right. I think a lot of people who, who don't bet Woodbine often, they see the 20 cents and they fall in love because it allows them to spread so much. And I'm like, I'm not like you as far as a dollar ticket, but GQ can attest. I really don't like to spread too much. And I'm always telling people, stop spreading, stop spreading. You know, um, you're wasting money. Just go with your opinion. So I, I kind of have your approach, obviously not as well as you. Um, you know, with that, but in that race, you know, we'll see. Would you recommend that? I mean, if, if let's say I do like a multi coast, I, I don't know if he can, uh, she can be can be a park, but if I do like her a decent amount, would you suggest using her for 20 or 40 cents, but using can be a park for a dollar? Is that something you would suggest? I mean, obviously, you just say use can be a park, but in general, would you do that with two different horses, use one more than the other, I suppose? Oh, yeah, th that's that's the way I play. It's like the, the right. one I'll give you the best. The, the best advice for playing picks is I tell people when you like a horse, you bet the same amount on it all the time. And usually the answer is no, or no, not really. Right. Or no, not all the time. Well, why is it when you play a pick four or pick five, you have every horse in the sequence for the same amount. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people playing the caveman type of tickets, right? Right. How could you possibly like every horse the same? <laughs> right? And that's the, the only advantage of the 20 cent bet, where now that I even just say I have a $5 pick five going into the last race on seven of 10 horses, and I got three horses for $10 and the one I like most for 20. Yeah, those horses that have no chance in hell, yeah, why not play them for 20 cents? You know, it's not, that's the only good thing about the 20 cent ticket. But if, if the 20 cent is your base bet, you're, you're a dead man walking in this game. And, and I'll tell you how I learned. I used to be the type of player, I go in there, you know, I'm talking about coming into bet 20 to $40 in the pick four and trying to hit the pool shot, you know, something like all, all, you know, four to five, 15 to one. Always think they hit a pool shot. And when they went to this 20 cent bets and I go, oh, look at this. <laughs> now I can go all, 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 you know, and <laughs> no, so it, was a t- it hit me one day, two thirty to one, a 30 and a 35 to one shot won the first two legs of the pick four. I was out and I'm walking down to get a coffee and I had three people come up to me and say they were alive. And I'm going, wow, right? And then I'm going, yeah, the 20 cent. And then the next race, I remember Steve Ashmanson was up there. He had a four to five that got beat by a seven. To, when I looked at the payoff, I go, this is like the worst payout I've ever seen in my life. And it didn't hit me till a few weeks later where four favorites come in in a row, all four off the top of the program and the pick four paid $116 for a dollar. And I remember when the pick four was a dollar, if that would have come in, that would have paid $40, $60, something like right. that. Uh-huh. And then it hit me, the value is in the low you know, the low payoffs. That's where you get the value. Because people go up there and, you know, and I've shown people, I've, visitors come to the track and I explain it to them. I say, just come up and stand behind me and don't laugh, right? And it's right before a pick four race. And you see somebody put in, you know, a a $70 voucher and they play their ticket and uh, their ticket comes out to $24 and then here comes Liberace. (laughs) And they they flex their fingers and they start bing, 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 bing. Oh, $72. You've got to take one out. Boom. Oh, $68. Right? And I go, that's the number one. This thing kills people. Yeah. Because they think that. And then you hear, and then what happens when that guy misses the last race? He only he had five out of eight horses. So now in his mind is, well, next time I got to put another 20 in there and cover those three. But they don't understand. It's the first leg you get knocked out next time. It's the worst, worst thing you can possibly do. And like, you know, when I play my pick fives, it's just press, 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 press all the way down to a cold ticket. And and like, I'll never play one ticket. It's usually about 14 tickets, 15 tickets, all different amounts and all cut down, cut down. And that's with the first ticket not being that big to begin with. Right. The main ticket. What's your like, I know it varies each sequence, but in general, like what are some of your largest amount of sequences covered like the, the biggest spread if you will let's say if it was a dollar base do you, are, are you well, going thirty dollars just, just say i got i got two races in the sequence where i'm keen at 10 to 1 and another race i have a two or spread of 10 and 12 to 1 right mm-hmm. 
then, then, then I can spread. You know what I mean? It's worth it to spread, right? Because I just look at it, the whole picture. How does this ticket make me X amount of dollars? Right. Right. And if it's not there, you know, I've done it many times where I'm going, okay, this ticket can't pay. You know, this ticket's going to cost me uh, $140 for the, the first ticket. Forget about the presses. And I'm going, but it can't even pay. Then I'll look at a race where I'll have five horses. I'll just throw the four favorites out and keep the long shot. Even if he's my fifth choice, no problem. Boom. Right. I don't mind ripping tickets. It's just, I play all my tickets to make scores. So I'll rip them, rip them, rip them, rip them. But when I hit, it's got to be there. It's got to be there. That score has got to be there. Right. Like now we're going, I'm going through this with you guys. I haven't formatted anything. Right. Right. But my ticket is, let's just say uh, $10 flashy Catherine or a fleet Catherine one dollar on that other long shot i like i might even throw in kitty day's horse the one horse too for a dollar so it's at least 10 to one on the main ticket cold chad brown and then as we go on now the, that those two races which are basically etched in stone in my mind are going to decide who and how i use the other three legs Right, and I'm assuming because they're short prices, you're not going to spread too deep in the rest of the, the races? Well, it depends on – no, I don't think I will, but depends on who I'm using, right, and mm -hmm. how the, it lays out. Like, like the Queen's Plate is a tough race. So, yeah, let's go on to the Queen's Plate. Yeah. Um, who, who are some of the horses that you're thinking about there? Well, you know, you look, you know just this is the problem with this race. Like, you start with the one horse that they supplemented and I don't know if the supplement is 2000 or 5,000 or $20 and a Tim Hortons coffee. I don't know what it is. Right. But, but, you know, you look how horses jump up, you know, just, just looking at buyers, not that I really, but just, just to get a total, you know, less small a horse went 50 stretched out 61. Beat absolutely not much. Believe me, those are that class there is uh your, their Ontario sires get in without a tag. Right. And, and he's an Ontario sire. We got Ontario bred and Ontario sire. And, and Kentucky bred's got to go, or Florida got to go in for 40. It's not a tough class. So, but, you know, different horse shows up with a stretch out. Where, where is he going to go moving forward? You know, he, he's going to jump up, I think, but how much? Right. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I thought he had a great setup last time, too. So, I mean, it's 50 yeah, no, to 1 that we're talking about. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, just for an example, like, this okay. is the, the longest shot in the field, right? Yeah. How is he going to jump up? He's stretching out a bit further, right? He's got that kind of, you know, I think he can get position at this, but but I, I hate the horse. I don't think he has a chance in hell, but I'm just saying, horses move up. How much can he, with this horse, you know, and then the same with Belichick, right? Belichick's a nice horse. Yeah. You know, you, you sprint, you run okay, like totally, totally missed the break both times. Next time out, you make a big move, you know, into a fast half that the, the horse sitting dead last come by and win, you know, Ollie, my boy, ran him down late. It's, it's you know, and there's another trainer, Josie Carroll, takes her time. Like, how's this horse going to step up, right? So just looking at the first, I didn't mention Miraveau, but just looking at those first three, it's not that hard of a stretch to figure these horse are catching up to that horse. 
Yeah, your girl Merle. Good enough? I don't know, but they're going the right way. And, you know. Let, let me ask you, because I happen to like Belichick. Uh, again, like you said, he has, to, or, uh, he has to step up a lot. How do you factor in wide trips at Woodbine? Because I'm not that familiar with it. The horse basically had a three wide trip last time. Is that a, a big negative, or is it kind of a wide sweeping course? Maybe it doesn't matter as much as other tracks. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, that's that's. You want the synthetic? The synth synthetic is. There's some horses that can pop out of a hole, but it is a track that you you want to keep your feet going, right? I okay. ra I'd rather circle wide than wait for a hole any day of the week. Okay, that's good to know. And, and you know, I'm not a guy who plays biases at Woodbine. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's they if you if you look every day they uh, they post a track work so they say they're gonna I forget what they do to the track but they say they're gonna do it after the third fifth seventh and ninth right hmm. and whatever they're doing I don't know but I'll notice the track will go from four speed horses in a row to four stone closures going hmm. ten wide in a row wow so I don't know and, and it could be that there just was no bias and that's where the good horses won from. But I've just seen it changed so many times on the synthetic that I ain't gonna let it get into my mind. Huh. I do not do biases for synthetic. And and it's even hard to do by how do you do biases when you're running on three different tracks on a you say average nine race card, right? Come on, can you do a bias on three races? <laughs> no. You you kind of can if they all go wire to wire being pressed and they all draw off and pay twenty dollars. Yeah, maybe. Right, but you know, I notice people who play biases. They just it just becomes the dominant factor in the way they play horses, and it's wrong. You can find it just takes you away from everything, and th then it gets into your mind. You know, I, I I just go back years ago when I used to only play New York. I just remember that every time that track played speed, I would just bet closers at the end of the card because I was getting paid. You know, you're getting such good odds. It's like, you know, it makes up for it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I love how people a couple speed horses win at three to one, and oh, there's a speed bias today, and that's a good strategy. You have to kind of go against it. Yeah, then, but then, then when there is a real speed bias, what happens is you get horses with no speed getting quarter horse. You know, they're getting there. They're, here's a horse that's never been on the lead. Now it's on the lead because the jockey says, well, there's a speed bias. Kind <laughs> yeah, of you don't know. Things. Let me add one more question about that. I, I don't want to take too long here and go to the Queen's Plate. But one thing that I talk about on this podcast with GQ, with other friends, I don't really, and, and I think people make fun of me, but I don't really look that much at what kind of pace I think the race is going to shape up to be. Meaning, you know, I'm, oh, there's a lot of speed. Let me look for a closer here. And I think it's because I'm, I'm in New York and I bet New York a lot. And these jockeys who are great jockeys, they're so unaggressive that I have no idea who's going to lead. I can look at the program and half the time I'm stunned who's on the lead. Is that a big part of your handicap in trying to figure out the pace or is it not? How do you use it's that? It's everything. It's everything. Wow. It's everything. And that's why I, I, will, I won't stomach a track that goes wire to wire all day that has bias you know has real distinct right. by when, when they're coming off the pace everyone doesn't really catch on it doesn't really affect the gambling right but if i'm playing a track where everyone's doing what you just said that's not the track for me yeah i need to see that race in my mind mm. you know i'm not always right sometimes i'm it's you know flipped backwards sure but 
I, I need to picture the race. I, I think it counts to so much. Just, you know, if, if they all ran, if they all ran in 10 different lanes against the clock, right? I don't think we'd get the same results as 10 horses running side by side and pushing each other. And you know what I, you know, it, it, it's, it's put it this way. I made a living off of speed battles. Mm -hmm. and, and do you find it Woodbine that it plays out? I, I assume it does because you're very successful. It plays out that way. Cause like I said, in New York, you think a horse is going to lead and then it's a turf race and some horse goes 51 seconds and wires a field that was never on the lead in his uh, life. Yeah, you know what, and it's, you know, it's, it's, if Woodbine went to just synthetic racing, right, I'd be the happiest man on the planet. <laughs> because it's, it, to me, it's the fairest track. It's the, the track where horses got to usually run the way they run. And there is horses that I've seen just one the other day, you know, a horse that's been on the front his whole life, a lot of speed in the race, a jockey brought him 15 lengths out of it and he circled. Wow. And maybe it's not a good thing to most handicappers, but that knowing that you can win from anywhere on the track to me is the greatest thing on earth. Like you guys play Gulfstream in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. It, when they start, when that dirt, it was kind of okay last winter, but when it starts going wire to wire, wire to wire, uh, wire to wire, come on. Like I, I hate, like the last thing I want to do is better stop and ride at four to five. Exactly. And then you either have to, or else, you know, you. it's just, it's just frustrating. I really, I really want to, you know, it's a race and I want to dissect the race, how the race is going to be run. The less factors that affect those animals, the better for me as a handicapper. Mm. Well, that's what drives me crazy on these big days, you know, whether it be Derby Day, Preakness, Belmont or whatever. It's like all of a sudden, for some reason, track management, they want to soup up the track so that you know, they're getting record times, which I, you know, favor speed. It's like, just leave the track alone and let the horses be horses. Yeah, the problem is most of the handicappers out there like it. Sure. <laughs> and you see, what was the year at Delmar where everything came 20 wide in the Breeders' Cup? Yep. People <laughs> complain about it. Just, just make the track safe, right? And that's it. Definitely. Like I, I hate, you know, they do, they definitely do it. New York used to be famous for it. Why? Like why, the, the, you know, if you get into the things tracks do that have no, you know, that, that show they have no clue on running a racetrack, we'll be here all day. So it's no use talking about it with, you know, the things management decides to do, like putting a pick five and pick six on the same race. <laughs> Not very smart. <laughs> Um, all right, so back to the Queen's Plate here. Uh, is, is there anyone uh, that strikes your fancy or a few horses, or, or did you have time to narrow it down at all? Yeah, okay, well, I've been high on Clayton from day one. Okay, good. <laughs> and I think he's the best animal in the race. But, you know, looking at it, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to have to look at this race a lot closer and really, you know, but it looks like, there's enough pace in this race. And the problem is last time out Clayton's jock had the horse, you know, sitting a length off at all times. And they almost, they almost stole the race on of those two horses. Wow. Like they really slowed it down. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's going to, you know, and he, he likes to be aggressive Hernandez, 
I think if he gets sucked in too early, got a 46 and three half to run at. Yeah. Clayton got a 49. <laughs> yeah, it's showing me we might lose our internet soon here. but Yeah, you cut out for a second there. I think we heard most of it, but. Okay. Yeah, you know, so this this is a race where I'm really going to have to look at the way that the race sets up. I, I really like Clayton a lot better than, I want to say a lot, but I, I definitely like him better than, than her, Curlin's Voyage. Mm-hmm. But Curlin's Voyage might get another setup. Like, I really, I would really love the jockeys to put in writing in this race what their intentions <laughs> are by gate opens, right? Yeah. But that's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, Curlin's Voyage got a dream trip, right? Just hugged the rail, it opened up, had a good pace to close, like everything was perfect. But I thought I thought Curlin's Voyage race before that was pretty good, that Fury, uh, that's what it's called, the Stakes race on July 5th. Um, I, I thought that race was as good or, or better in a way because didn't well, have no, she just stuff. She just laid over those horses and yeah. overcame slow tractions right. at the wrong distance for her, right? Right, that's why I liked her, but you're saying it's uh, the, the weak no. opponents. Yeah, no, she she was great just to win that by a head, even though she was even money, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, she really had to show how good she was to overcome in that race. I know I'm with you, right? But, right. But, you know, her, her, her really, that last race, you know, if you look at her races last year going long, right? You know, the horse that run third Bayou Bell was the rabbit in the plate. Mm-hmm. This horse did nothing wrong. Got a deliberate slow start, I think, that day just to try to raid her. Next time out, you know, ran an even race. And then, you know, kind of hung the race after. And then last time out, it looked like at the end, I don't know if a Fleet Catherine, to me, if Fleet Catherine should be in this race, I'd be betting her. But if Fleet Catherine was wow, digging back in on her after that perfect, perfect trip. It's hard with a horse like Curlin's Voyage. It's such a talented horse, and it did get the gut trip of all gut trips last time. And and I I'm guess gonna the other... bet, I'm going to bet against her, and I, I I think you know I have to use a horse in here, and it, it, it's all Lee, my boy. Just have to use, even though the horse got a, a perfect setup that day, they were you know. They were they were coming off the pace that day. I'm pretty sure was a good way to you know run. They were coming from the back. But that's two days, two races in a row. This horse, you know, put in a huge run going 49 and three. You know, I, I, after a 49 and three half, 114, and put in a huge run. Come second to uh, where's Mighty Mighty Hard, Hard who I like today. We'll see what you think, but 13 horse. Yeah, yeah, and and that was see that was on the same day that 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 where Mighty Heart uh, got run down. Time mm-hmm. skip came from dead last, so it was a day you could really come from the clouds that day. Right, and and you think Ali Boy is, is better than Belichick based on that last race? I know um, he beat Belichick no, by really. two. No, 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 not really, but but trying to look at how this race is going to unfold, right? Mm-hmm. And Belichick, you know, really going downward in the jockey department. Mm-hmm. 
I'm wondering because this guy Callahan rode Bell's Bayou, the Rabbit, and the and, and the Oaks. I wonder if Josie, <laughs> if Josie, if this horse goes 46 to the half, I'll fall off my chair. <laughs> yeah, using Belichick as the Rabbit. Yeah, I don't think so. I I, I don't I don't know. Like it's hard because there's no U.S. jockeys up here, right? Yeah. But he's not the jockey that I want to be in trouble in on the inside looking for room. And, and I guess the other I short... say that there's about eight of them in this race. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Yeah, someone's got to win. Uh, and one of the short price horse, we'll just get your thoughts on quickly if you don't mind. The six horse Halo again for Steve Asmussen. Yeah, he's just like you know, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to be the best to win. That's for sure. Because it doesn't look like he's going to rate, and it looks like, you know, dotted line's going to go with him again. And those are two horses that have never got loose on the lead, right? I wouldn't throw them out, but I don't think they will. And I think last time... I, I said, I'm going to have to look at it a lot closer, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, what, what, what is Tecumseh's war going to do? Isn't this horse going to fire right to the front? Possibly. I mean, ran 47 half last time, I guess. And, and yeah, there was a lot of speed something. in that race. Yeah. There was a lot of speed in that race. And then the horse got in trouble. Horse ran big, but, and the 14 hole is not a problem because they run, I mean, like they run two furlongs before they hit the, the finish line the first time. Now, let me ask you about Tecumseh's Warrior because I see what the comment says off, slow, boxed in. I don't know if you remember the race and you're going on that and you saw a replay or not. Or you just going by the comments, but I just wrote save ground at a very good trip. I, I yeah, didn't notice I'm any problem. That's something I'll have to look look in my notes. Uh, look probably on August first. I'm probably gonna have to watch that again. Yeah. But anything that was close that in that race for sure, because I I know I, I was the last leg of the pick four, and I used time skips sparingly, but I, the only horses I used were stone closers. Right. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't really like to look at those comments on the side. Yeah. And, I, and me, anytime you read them, they're a negative, whether they happened or not. <laughs> I'd rather see nothing there and then go back and look at the trouble. But Tecumseh's War is not going to get five cents from me no matter what I see. Right. Because <laughs> right? to me, this horse is going to take, you know, it's got two furlongs to the wire, right? And then there's still some more ground before you get to the turn. So it's a huge run up, just like the Derby, right? Just like the Derby. I, I said before the Derby, I had no interest in the Derby. I didn't bet the Derby, but I said, whoever likes Authentic has got to love Authentic after that draw. It's the perfect post position to, to get out there. I can't get cut off or anything, right? You got, you got such a long time. And this horse has got to go. I think Mighty Heart might be the rabbit for Josie. I don't know. You know, there's uh -oh. this horse that got to go. And, and, and what's Clayton going to do from the 12 hole? He's going gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna to sit. That's, that's our hockey dog, Barzell. I know you're a big... Oh. <laughs> I know you're a big New York Islander fan. We spoke before. That's Barzell, the hockey dog. That's his name. So. Um, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to drop line. He's a, he's a Maple Leaf fan. We can't hold it against him, but I don't want him to cut out in this early year. So we'll, we'll go back no, to no, horses. That's a race for, you know what, I'm, I'm going to... You know, to me, Ali, my boy, is my type of horse. Sit that last, cir circle 20 wide. It's going to be a part of my, my tickets everywhere. 
All right. And, and, and you know, like, looking at the two races after this, can I really afford to put in, you know, Clayton and and Curlin's Voyage? How much, you know, screwing around can I do in this race when I got two or, you know, two horses already that are going to be low, right? You're down on Merle, you're, you're against the two horse, the, the other filly, Merle Laveau, because her last race was set up for her to win and she didn't. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this horse. And plus, if, if, the, if the owner even gets a third place finish, I feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us about Mark Cassie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, he's not in Mark Cassie's uh, class yet, but... All right. <laughs> I, I think Mark, 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 I better not. I'm going to get sued. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> no, I don't want to get in trouble. Let me ask you about, uh, I'll change the subject for you. I was going to use in this race, too. I know it's oh, a tough oh, race. Let me say one thing. Yeah. How is the trainer that has, what I've, I'm hearing from people, has every advantage possible to mankind at Woodbine, right? Has stock that no one even can compare to at Woodbine. Million billion dollar owners, you don't have a horse in the in the plate. What a great trainer he is! Well, he's got four in an allowance race, I think. In another, <laughs> well, I wonder how, how that rule became this year that you could have it used to be two per race, unless it was a stake race. Oh, I wonder why that rule got changed, guys. Can you come up with something? <laughs> who, who would push for that rule? Uh, uh, yes, yes, that goes on over here. It's not <laughs> like I, I don't believe it happens, but people have been telling me. Right? You know, I've been hearing a lot. I don't believe these stories, but Mark Cassie gets to write the condition book, gets to change the rules. Like I said, I don't believe these things, but I'm hearing them more and more. Yeah. <laughs> well, you must have, if you bet Saratoga, you must have had a great meet since he went like one for 33 or something like that. Well, that one made me give me agita. <laughs> one too many. <laughs> no, I, I didn't really play Saratoga at all. Yeah. Um, I wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you uh, just one more horse, because I was going to go too deep here, even though I know it's a challenging race. And I might throw Belichick in, even though you didn't seem too high on, on Belichick's chances. Um, and, and the jockey does scare me a little bit. Uh, I'm used to New York where I, I think all the jockeys are so good that I don't really care who the jockey is. You can give me, you know, Irad, you can give me Jose Ortiz, you Jose Lescano, Junior Alvarado. I think they're all pretty good. Um, might be different in this race. The 13 mighty hard. I thought two back chase while wide which you're saying is not that big of a deal but chase and duel the five to one shot i forgot the name of the horse who ended up fading badly to eighth um and a two to one shot was up on the pace ended up fading to four so i thought that was a pretty good race i know it was a maiden breaker and won easily the last race had trouble that's not listed there uh check back early lost a few lengths i i know you said the comments you almost like like to ignore or they weren't there i actually like when the comments are there and they don't say anything negative uh about a horse and Mighty Heart is that horse that has trouble last race. Now, that was an allowance race, has to step up. So I see we're having some uh, difficulties with Tommy. We're going to try and get him back. So uh -oh. give us one second. All right, we, we had some difficulties, uh, but we were able to get Tommy back. Um, and we were talking about the 13 horse. So our listeners kind of heard it already, so I won't go too far into it. But uh, number 13, I got to flip back to it, of course, now. Uh, Mighty Heart, I believe, right? 
two back, I thought, um, ran a really good race. I know it was a maiden breaker, but I thought that pace kind of fell apart, even though the time doesn't look that fast. Um, chased a, a five-to-one shot or dueled a five-to-one shot who faded to the back, uh, and a two-to-one shot was right up on the pace, faded to four. So I like that maiden breaker. And then the last race, uh, had a little bit of a wide trip, but had trouble early, was checked early and actually lost a few lengths. And I, I started saying to the audience, I think we lost you at this point, but I know you mentioned you don't like the comment lines uh, being there, but I, I like when they have comments like rallied even out late and it doesn't mention anything about significant trouble or, or a factor in the race. So I think Mighty Hearts last race was much better than it looks. And I know you had mentioned that race fell apart. I, I, don't, I didn't see it as much as you like that. Uh, I thought it was more fair, but Again, you're probably right. I'll defer to you on that. Uh, but she did make an early move then. Oh, he did make an early move, if you will, taking the lead after getting checked early and going a little wide. Uh, do you give that horse any shot, or, or are you just not even bothering looking at him? Yeah. No, no. Though, that's a, you know, Joel, Joel, Josie takes her time. The horse has been getting better and better, right? It's how I play this race is going to determine what I come up with in the next two. This will be the last leg for me. Okay. Uh, and, and you know what, like, you know, it could be, a, you know, like we talked earlier, you know, maybe throw three or four of them right out, but then using some for 20 cents, some for a dollar, some for two dollars, you know, mm-hmm. this will be a race where I might have a lot of horses on there, but just for, you know, drastically different amounts. All right. And I'm going to try and get through it. I think pretty short. We're just 12, 13. Again, I might throw in the three because I don't think I'm going to be too deep elsewhere. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just that, you know, going back, I haven't done my final work on it. Right. Right. And, 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 and the thing is too, you know, if I don't know what the weather is like, but you know, sometimes you're sitting there at the track If you do see a bias at Woodbine, you know, I know it can change, but sometimes it plays with your mind and it might give other horses a bit more chance, but enough of that. The plate is going to be the last leg that I figure out. Right. Okay. All right. So let's move on to race 11 because we're, we're keeping here so long. Um, I, I don't know about this morning line on race 11. Um, I, I don't know how close you looked at it, but I assume Jimmy B is going to be closer to even money than three to one. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, is this Jimmy B's race to lose or, or cause after that it seems fairly wide open. How do you see that, Tommy? Yeah, it's hard to make out that last race because they really went kind of fast, right? And the winner kept going. And, you know, Jimmy B's supposed to go by those horses, but that turf horse, that turf course, you know, the turf course is tricky to figure out how, it was, you know, did it help Sab? Didn't it? It's hard, hard to say because, or maybe just Sab is, you know, she is a nice filly, so... You know, yeah, you know, Jeannie B, jeez. See, I'm, I'm with you last race. I think she just saved ground. I don't buy the traffic trouble. I mean, she had to wait a little bit, but saving ground, I thought, more than overcame that. The only thing is, even if I downgrade that performance a little, figuring she got a great setup, she still is maybe faster than these. I'm not sure, but, but just possibly. Yeah, no, the, you know what? No, uh, w- when you get set up with, with fractions like that, there is no trouble. Right. Any early trouble helped you, and mm-hmm. I won't even look, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be one of the horses I use the most, but I can't really key that horse, I don't think. All right, and some other horses that I had interest in, I'll see if you have any, and then you can speak about anyone you want to. Uh, 
Um, I thought the, uh, the 12 horse, uh, the five horse, and the 10 horse. So 12, perfection cat, coming off a long layoff. Now this is where I'm, I'm at a big disadvantage. Like when I'm betting New York and some of the other tracks, I know like Shug Miguel, I know he's patient, he's gonna take his time. So a horse runs well off the layoff, he's gonna improve next time. I, I, don't, I know Roger Affield, but I don't know him that well, his training style. Um, I thought this horse off the layoff had a, a pretty wide trip. I think the race did set up for closers, so it had the benefit. Uh, and I know you're, you're high on um, a Fleet Catherine. Do you, uh, do you think that was just a perfect setup and, and it actually helped the horse? Or do you think second off the layoff, that horse can step forward? Yeah, no, Roger Adfield, listen, he, he's great at getting them ready first time, but they get better and better. Okay. They get better and better until they hit their peak or they go totally off, off the track, off form. Yeah, he's my – I might use him just the same as uh, that, that other Cassie horse. Okay. And then – B. Right, the four, yeah. And then uh, just two others quickly, then I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. Um, the five, I was shocked to see the morning line, and that made me definitely want to use this horse, Grace Seal. Um, I just like this horse's last two races. Um, I thought two back, it was a race that mostly set up for closers. Um, and – he, uh, she dueled a five to one shot who ended up fading to the back, came in eighth, uh, last actually. So I thought that race kind of came apart and, and her being right up. I know, I know she ended up getting an easy lead. When you look at the PPs, it's like, oh, you know, first by two lengths, but that was like at the top of the stretch. I mean, she was dueling the whole way before that. Uh, so I thought that race was pretty good. And that was a, a I'm looking at buyer speed figure, 74 figure, which I think is much better than that, uh, which puts her right there with anyone else in the field. And then the last race, uh, she was checked slightly early, so she was kind of further back than she wanted to be, I thought. Um, she got stuck in the stretch, I thought, as well. She, I don't know if you saw the replay or maybe you'll look at it, but she couldn't get through. I don't like that it says it in the comments because everyone's going to see it now. I like more subtle uh, things, but um, tried to go on the rail. I actually thought there was room and the horse didn't want to go, which scares me, but I thought the horse would have won that race without the trouble that, um, that she had. So for a horse who I think would have won her last race, being 20 to one in a similar field, you know, I, I have to use that horse. Uh, does that make sense to you? Or do you not like this horse? No, 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 no. I, I agree with everything you said. 20 to one, probably going to put me on, on a small ticket maybe, but it seems like the horse does its, wants a fight. I don't know. You know, the only two wins were on the lead and, and they both weren't easy wins. Yeah. And I agree with you last time. She fought tooth and nail and was supposed to stop in that race. Two starts back. Right. And yeah, it looks like she she possibly makes her own trouble or whatever or finds trouble. The negative I have, this horse just doesn't seem probably has some severe issues. Gotcha. Because it doesn't seem to last too long. This might be third start, might be her last start off in the form cycle, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. You know, um, if you look right, there's too many breaks. July eighteen or first start and almost a year, right? Mm-hmm nine months to the next start yeah definitely and then you know one at the fairgrounds one i don't know that's the covid then you know i don't know i don't know it's a, it's a tough spot that's for sure and, and the the last horse i didn't want to cut you off here so long but the last horse that thought i had a decent shot also 20 to one which i guess i was surprised at one one problem i had the 10 horse um mazona one thing I have trouble with at Woodbine here is these conditions. I, I'm more, I like straightforward conditions. I don't understand how these conditions. Non-winners are 9,000 at this. And then there's a horse who won two allowance races. How, like how does, before we go to the 10, how does an eight horse qualify? I'm missing something. 
won two optional claimings, was not up for a tag. Um, how does that work? I don't know how that horse qualifies. I'm missing something. I, I don't understand. But I don't want to put what you on the spot. What do you mean? How she's, how she's in the non-winners of one other then? Yeah. Yeah, those don't – do those count as claiming races, even though she was yeah. not they, they count tag? as They count as claiming races because they are claiming races, and they get an exception for being uh, Ontario sired. Okay, that makes so sense. So those three wins were basically, you know, made in 40, 40 non-winners of two, 40 non-winners of three. Okay. So so with this, you're saying this would be a class drop basically for her from those races or? or... No, nah, th- th- those, you know, those five furlong turf races. Yeah. Where she might have said, they were almost track records every race. Wow. And all, all front runners were the horse sitting behind on the rail. It, it, mm-hmm. it became concrete. Okay. So that's like the first horse that yeah. for me is right out. All right, good. Cause I'm not using her. So I'm happy, but I didn't understand that. So the last horse I just wanted to look at and then turn it over to you guys. Um, Zona, the 10 at 20 to one also. Um, I can't, I know she ran deep. I guess she ran decent last race um, on the, on the synthetic. I, I kind of ignored that. Like I had said before, uh, cause she's back on the turf. I thought that turf race was uh, pretty good. I, I just didn't think there was any pace. Um, she did save ground, which probably helped, but to close into that or make no mistake, who's in this race, uh, won that race, but make no mistake was right up on the, uh, on the pace and was ahead by like two the whole race. So I think Mazzona closed really well that race. I, I don't want to put you on the spot again, but how does that stack up? Cause again, I'm looking at handicapping, claiming that 20,000 starter handicap, if that's what it even is, how would that stack up to a race like this? Do you think as far as class wise? Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's this non-winners are one other than sometimes it's a bunch of 10 claimers that just want to grind out thirds, especially if they're on like an Ontario sired horse in this race runs for the whole purse, the 101,000. Right. Whereas Jenny B will be running for, you take away 33,700 off the purse. Right. So right. close to 60. Yeah, so you so you see why Ontario sires would rat, you know like with a horse like uh, Spanish Ballerina. Where do you go with this horse, right? You go forty wide open, probably tougher most times. Mm-hmm. You know, running here, you get a forty, you might get the odd twenty five wide open. That could be tougher, but you stay in here, and you you know you're getting you're getting ten thousand for running third. So. It's kind of a tricky class. Yeah, it's like, you know, you uh, you you win your non-winners of two, non-winners of three. You try this class, you come close, you stay in until you win. If you win this, then you're you're either a non-winners of two or a ten claimer, mm-hmm. and most of them are ten claim. You know, right? I, I don't blame anyone for that. And and, and actually, I, I like no mistake better than Mazona. Really? Why is that? Yeah, no no mistake. No mistake is just getting better and better. And, and, you know, three starts back, you know, at five and a half furlongs, blew the start, was roaring through them. So I don't know where, you know, can't get a jockey to stay with them, I guess, because they're moving up. But Yeah, well, Justin Stein goes on Ca- Cassie's. Yeah, no, but Fukimoto, I was thinking, just rides them every time. And I guess he got into Kevin Atard's barn. I guess that politics. Hmm. Yeah, we talked about Sheldon. We had a uh, jockey, Sheldon Russell from Maryland on, and we talked to him a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how he takes certain mounts and with his agent and all that. 
And, you know, one thing GQ and I have talked about, I think definitely me, but I think GQ too, is I don't really look at when jockeys change from one to another. I mean, you saw that in the Derby, Mike Smith picked the wrong horse and Johnny V wins the Derby. Um, do you, do you look at that? Like if, um, like at the 13 last race, Mighty Hart, I forgot the jockey offhand, but the regular jockey might've been Stein chose another horse for Josie Carroll, whatever it was. And I have a backup, if you will, jockey. Do you look at that when you handicap? To see what horse no, they pick. No, I, I've learned. I've learned over the years, just like you guys are talking, just too many reasons. Yeah. You know, I've learned that as an owner, where, you know, uh, what happened to our jockey? Right. He's riding who back then? <laughs> right. And then you see who he's riding for, and it kind of makes sense, right? Sure. It's political. Yeah, those kind of things, right? And then, like, you know, you go to Hong Kong and Zach Purton, right? Zach Purton's going to ride the best horse available. Hmm. You know, I've heard him say it. He goes, you know, there's a new guy from Australia. He goes, you, you know, are you going to be riding horse? Well, David Hayes wants me to ride and they're the best horse I got. Yeah. Right. I think that's the way it should be. Right. Right. But then again, you got, you know, trainers with big stables that'll actually put the screws to you. Right. So you gotta, you know, I, I, I it's, you know, I have no love for agents or jockeys or trainers when it comes down to that because they all do it to each other. I have no hate for them either, but it's just like it gets silly sometimes. It's beyond sure. silly. I'll, I'll tell you another story, too. I, I couldn't uh, try to get a jockey to ride my horse, right, to ride the horse back. And he said, I'm sorry. I wish I could, right? I'm going, yeah. He goes, but I gave my word, right? He's riding a 99 to one shot. My horse is second choice. Jeez. Oh, right? And you start to think, I'm sure there's someone that opened the form and say, wow, he went on this horse over that horse. Well, that horse broke its maiden for like 20. And he said he'll ride it next time. And ah. meanwhile, they go put it nine classes up, right? Right. And I guess they were friends. You know, he didn't want to tell them they're idiots or whatever, but he gave them. Gave him his word. word. He should enough, or the agent should enough. Mm. So that's the aha moment I had where I'd say, aha, look at this. He, he picked that horse, right? Yeah, he picked him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but so, yeah, I, I try to throw it out, out of my, my handicap. And... Yeah, no, we definitely agree with you on that one. Um, all right, so I mentioned a few horses here. I know we talked about a bunch. Either GQ or Tommy, is there anyone else in the last uh... – Leg of this uh, pick five that you uh, that you like, you want to talk about race eleven? I think that's four races, race eleven, right? Oh, we have one more to go, huh? Yeah, we got twelve. To oh, go. geez. All right, so why don't we move on? Unless you have someone you really want to go, you want to talk about? No, no, we talked over. You know, we we basically talked over the right A's and B's and C's or whatever. It's there. All right, so race twelve. Uh, is this a three-horse race, or is uh, one of the three better than the others? And can any of the mini prices win, like Cambria at Westing Wars Barn? Tommy, what do you think? I don't know. It's just that, you know, a horse like Boardroom that just, you know, smashes them twice like that and, you know, really impressive and hard for me it's hard for my mind just to even open up to look at other horses 
really you know and you, and it's just like you know i just know with a trainer like this is you know this is her step right you know the next step is you know the step after this is going to be two turn state race right i just know her patterns and this horse is coming up so good and you know, it, it, it's probably wrong, but when you don't see blemishes on a record, right? <laughs> it's not always a good thing, but. <laughs> well, she, I mean, she came off of that maiden win and destroyed the boys, you know? So I don't know if you put much credence into no. battle with sexes races. No, sex age means nothing. Okay. No, you want to say things that drive me crazy? Well, it's a three-year-old against older horses, right? Guilty is charged. <laughs> right? And then I'll say, I'll say, you want to go watch a race in France where a two-year-old beat five-year-olds? No, that doesn't happen. I know what happened. I go, then I'll say, uh, uh, authentic, right? Yeah. Do you think authentic can be the perfection cat? Or something, you know, a five, right. just bring any five-year-old tank right. claimer, right? Sure. <laughs> authentic will beat, will you bet Authentic, will Authentic beat this horse every time, right? Yeah. Yes. So then what does age matter? Well, here's, here's, here's my only thing. I only go by three-year-olds early in the season, early in the year, against four-year-olds. So you think I a ten claimer could have beat authentic in, in, in February? No, 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 no. I'm talking about when all things are equal. When you have what's equal, but what's equal? When when you have horses that say they're both five to one in a twenty thousand yeah, dollar. But what what happens when but what all equal? You meaning that the four year old is just as fast as the three year old? No, they they have proven themselves and based on every handicapping. No, no, faster. You know, it's a race where one of them has to be faster, right? Right. So if a horse is faster, how does age slow them down? Well, the, here's the here's the, my age old question that it's like, you know, the track will determine if you're looking at times. You know, how, how can we really dictate how fast a horse is? Well, what I mean by faster is he's, he's, you know, it doesn't have to do with time. It is if the three-year-old can run faster than the four-year-old, right? Right. What does their age matter? It, do, it doesn't because if, well, if, if you're talking faster, meaning speed or just well, faster. Okay, what I'm, let me put it this ground. way. I put two PPs up on the screen to you, right? Right. And it's just their PPs, not their age, their name. Right. And you yeah. pick one over two, right? Okay. And I say, are you sure? Yes. Are you 100% sure? Yes. And then I show you the one is a three-year-old, the other is a four-year-old. How can your mind change? Well, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't is right. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is, like I said, early in the year when the three-year-old... No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if you think one horse is better than the other, how can the age change that? Well, Why I... even look there? Now, I understand if both horses look the same, right? Right. And they're both the same odds, right? Uh-huh. The four-year-old might know the game better. He also might be sore. I just don't get it. <laughs> right. You're not going to get through to true. me. True, true. And if their age isn't on there, right? Right. And you handicap 
Now, when I show you the age, what does it, how can it change anything? It can't, can it? No, it's right. So it's these predetermined things, I'll go into another one, post position, right? Yeah. Okay, the one hole at Woodbine is a bad post position only because I stood in that stall, the, the gate. Okay. Right? And you look straight down and you do see that looks like the turns right in your way. Wow. And that's what somebody said about the Derby, I think. Yeah. Wait. But I stood in the one hole at Woodbine. I stood in the one hole at Old Greenwood where they ran four and a half furlongs out of a chute. Uh-huh. And this, it looked like a six furlong race. And it's the same thing. You stand wow. there and you look out and you see the horses looks at the turn. And the, from the one hole at Woodbine, a lot of them will just, you know, they'll, they'll buckle their legs. They'll, they'll hesitate. Right. So that's a fact. But when you talk about why, like I've been through with my friends at Gulfstream, right? Oh, you can't win from outside on the turf there, right? Then we watch the double, 12-12. <laughs> right? I go, you can't win. If you're the jockey and you have it in your mind that you got a bad post position, you're going to believe it. The horse is going to feel it, right? And it's a recipe for this. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. And we had it the one day. I remember that day at Gulfstream with my friends. I had the rail horse who got out positioned by the 12 horse with Paco and beat me by an O's because he got better position. In the post, I understand the inside, but once you start factoring those things into your head as a handicapper, all you're going to do is confuse yourself. You're getting away from the nuts and bolts of it. Those four legs, that animal that can run or not run. Right. The rest of it is too much confusion. It's just, you know, it's just... It's noise. Blur, exactly. It blurs things that are clear. Yeah. So maybe next year GQ won't text me every February and March. Every time a three-year-old at a short price lost a race, I got a text from GQ. See? See? And I started to respond with all the four-year-olds that were beating the three-year-olds. I started right back after a while. I, I take it enough, but... <laughs> I, get, I, get, I get the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get the same thing from someone in Florida, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he basically will box, he'll box the four-year-old. You won't even look at the form. That's what bothers me. They were the only three four-year-olds in the race. Right. <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend who actually taught me the game a long time ago. And uh, I mean, this is back in the 90s, I guess. And his thing was, you can't win off a maiden. So if there's a race with eight horses and six they of them are coming off the maiden... <laughs> He doesn't care what they look like. He's taking the other two who raced in whatever non-maiden race and just betting it exactly with those two. That's what he believes. So it's it's the craziest thing yeah. ever, right? So you break your maiden special weight, right? Mm -hmm. You go into a non-winners of one other then. That may be a step up, but if you're going from that to a 20 non-winners of two, you're supposed to break your maiden, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So it means, it means nothing. Uh, things like that drive me crazy. I'll tell you one of my, my favorite, uh, talk about an angle. You know those horses that took 23 starts to break their maiden? Yeah. yeah. When they break their maiden, if they're 20, if they're a big price next time out, I'm all over them. Sometimes they just... The it light bulb. Them. Yeah, the yeah, light you know, bulb. The horses that are always right there. Yeah. Oh, so I'm not supposed to run with them. <laughs> I'm supposed to run in front of them. Ah! <laughs> well, you should have gave me those carrots and apples before. What are... Figure, no, I'm serious, right? Like you try sure. to get, you know, psychology like that. Yeah, 20, 30 to one, you can use that. But mo most of it is just cluttering, cluttering. Most of all the stuff we use as handicappers, it just 
clutters and already there's a picture there and you're trying to focus it but all the things you got on top you know it's just cluttering it even more right well that was the thing you know it's like everybody's got an angle there's i've never seen an angle that's a hundred percent and the the one before they actually started printing it in the past performances was after a horse was gelded his first race after being gelded everybody you know that was the big secret it was like ooh, you know uh finding out that the horse was gelded and then you know a couple horses would win now all of a sudden because it's right there in black and white nobody talks about it and it's really not an angle it, it's it's not it's not it's not an angle period i had a colt right now and i gelded him right yeah who, who says i got to report it well the yeah i guess the di the different uh jurisdiction no too, but yeah. who's gonna you know who who's gonna know <laughs> they have to look right i've seen some of these horse identifiers they certainly wouldn't <laughs> no i i've, I've no i've heard stories of people gelding the horse waiting in a race right? right you know looking to bet their money or drop the horse in and then reporting it Interesting. And, and then when did they gelt it, right? Right. And then is the horse still holding a grudge? <laughs> 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 those things there, those things there. It's, it's just like, it's, it's just like, man, it just clutters everything. Forget about that stuff. Right. Hey, you get pick your horse. You know, pick your horses out of a hat. Even just get down to the formatting <laughs> and the gambling. Focus yeah. on that. Spend all the time on that. You want if you really want to get creative and try new things, try it with that. But trying to confuse handicapping even more and more, it's like, you know, it's just, you're, you're making something, you know, you're spending more time on the wrong thing and just, and I think making it harder on yourself. Yeah, no, I think we both agree absolutely about that. Um, so, so to finish up the races here, I know, uh, well, before I even say that, I know you haven't, and you mentioned that you haven't really crafted a ticket. Um, and, and for me too, the PPs came out late last night. So, you know, personally, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to play it. Maybe I'll run through at the end, you know, a couple of horses here and there. Um, but I know you're not going to be spreading too much in this last race. Do you see going beyond the one horse or is that just the one and, and you're done? Eric, Eric, you, uh, froze for about 15 seconds. Oh, wow. Okay. Hopefully, uh, so, so what last thing you said was when you're tr crafting a ticket and then you froze. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, lost some connection there. Basically, just saying, I know you haven't crafted your ticket yet. Um, you, you said, you know, you were just starting to look over the PPs. And for me, it came out last night, too. So I haven't really formulated a, a ticket yet. And I spend a lot of time, and I'm sure you do, too, thinking about that. Um, but in this 12th race, do you see going beyond the one? I know you seem pretty high on that one horse. Or is that it for you, boardroom? Well, yeah, you know, uh, when, when I look at you just, you know, we'll go, I'll go quickly over, you know, the one, the one's kind of going to be close to the pace, I guess. Cambria, I don't know, I don't know what to make this, you know, a horse like that, man, you know, look like a firecracker and then, you know, the Breeders' Cup race wasn't bad and then the comeback race was horrible, you know. Uh, no, it's not really horrible. You just don't excuse. know. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah, know, right? Right. Yeah. You just don't know. Got bad, right? So, yeah, maybe at eight to one, that might be the only horse I use. But you know, yeah, I can, you know, Cambria. I'm, I'm asking this question to you guys now. Cambria's got to be at least third choice in the betting, right? Like on the the sure. bull pace. 
Yeah, yeah I think fourth choice. I, I think the six and seven will take money over over Cambria. I, I can see Cambria being co-favorite, like, but I'm talking about the pick three payoffs, the pick five payoffs. I would think at least third choice. I, I yeah. Has one race this year and it looks bad, even though it hasn't. She has an excuse, but no, you're right. No, you're right. The Artie's Princess will be cold yeah. second choice, right. and even even uh, Avi Samurai, if that's how you pronounce it. I mean, yeah. her last uh, her last synthetic race was pretty good race, actually. I thought yeah, just the jo- the jockey jumps jumps off of her, right? Yeah. Right. So we shouldn't bet her, right? You told us. <laughs> yeah, and, and he he gets first call in that barn for sure, right? So in this case, you're saying that actually matters, or same trainer, right? Guy yeah. rode both horses. Same trainer, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure he's got first call in the barn, right? Right. Kind of. Let's look at the date, August 29. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe open this big mouse, July 3rd. I want to ride this horse all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but that's not the only reason. But I, yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Cambria at eight to one. Why not, right? Yeah, I was I was thinking one three. The three was the only other horse. Initially, when we started, I'd ask, is it those three favorites or, or does Cambria have a shot? So, uh, for yeah, me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use one when three. I'm, when I'm keen a horse, if I'm high on a horse that's like two to one, I don't want the backups to be you know five to two and three to one. Right. <laughs> right. right. Or, or it's the same as like if, if I'm if I'm high on Cambria. And and Cambria's my my A, let's just say. I'm not going to use boardroom as a backup. I'm not going to use a backup that's a lower price, usually. You know, and and this ticket here, which on my ticket, three legs are going to be pretty chalky. Yeah. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if I keep boardroom, Cambria Park, and the fleet, and cap, the fleet Catherine, and and then use that twenty to one shot or two twenty to one shots in the Fleet Catherine race, and just leave the other two races the way they are. And what do you mean by the way they are? Oh, cold and cold, Cambier Park, and on oh, you said the other two races, so like the Queen's Plate. No, 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 the, the other race. two. I'm ta- not talking those other two. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But okay, that's where I have like the three strong A's. Right. I might use those two twenty to one shots, and then depending how my ticket unfolds and what it costs, I'm, I probably should use Cambria, but I'm not sure yet. Okay, yeah. So, so what Tommy's saying is in race eight, he really likes the Fleet Catherine, but he might throw in a couple of twenty one to twenty to one shots. We mentioned specifically just leave it alone. Uh, I'm not sure if the other one was that ballrooms in Mars, or that was just me talking and you kind of being polite. Um, <laughs> but that was at race eight. Race nine, he's all over Cambia Park. And then his other opinion is in race 12, where um, you like ballroom and probably said most likely at Cambria too. Yeah, just then, for a throw-in maybe. Maybe, but right. we'll see. And then you just got to figure out the other two races, and you told us a lot of your thoughts. So I really appreciate you helping out us and our audience. You got me rethinking now. This is a fleet Catherine, who I thought got this great trip. And I will now, give you guys. I'll give you guys uh, a horse I really like in race seven. Just an added bonus horse called Danny's Victory. Okay. So the seven, way the race, the race seven. This horse is just getting better and better and better and better and better. And I wish I would have claimed it for twenty-five. I couldn't pull the trigger two starts back. You know, the horse was running for a nickel last year. Wow. 
Speaking What's of, oh, go ahead, GQ. Claiming and and you had mentioned horses. Uh, how active are you in in owning horses? How many do you have now? I got four at the track and a yearling. Oh, okay. What, yeah. what's, the, I, what's the best part and what's the worst part of being a horse owner? No, if you can afford it, there is no bad part. Nice. Yeah, no, I love it. I love, I love going there. The best part is just going out in the morning and hanging out with them. And especially when you, one you've had for a while, start stomping her foot knowing you got mints and howling for you. And Oh, yeah. Cool. And, oh, sorry. You winning, use, winning, I've been lucky. I'm not having a good year this year as an owner, but the last three I made some some money. So, yeah, I know. I think that your very first horse you did very well on that was a number of years ago. I, I forget the name of the horse, but well, this go around for the last like when I started come back into the game three years ago. Yeah, I got lucky. I had a horse, Giant Storm, that was a robot that just kept making money. Had another one, Adios Muchacho. And then the filly I got now, she's a bit off form. Time to drop her in Foxy Bell. Claimed her for a quarter, and she made about 200 last year. Oh, wow. Great. And you use uh, Norm McKnight, I saw, as your trainer? Is that your go-to? Yeah, go Norman and some Brad, man. I, they're, 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 they're just, just you know, real real sharp guys, real honest guys, hardworking guys. You know, they're both in there getting dirty every day, you know. And you don't see too many trainers with, you know, 50, 60 horses. And especially when you got a strong assistant, you know, Brad to train on his own. And then Norm's still be in there getting dirty every day. And just, I'm good with that, man. I just can't see going anywhere else. Yeah. And I've had it out. You know, I've had arguments with them, called each other names, and fired them once. But it's, <laughs> that's, you know, I fight with my brother, right? So. Sure. No, no, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And, and it's hard sometimes, you know, if you're involved with people you know or friendly with, it's hard to be honest and really speak your mind with them because you have to worry about a friendship. Yeah. You know, it's, and so when you start with somebody that wasn't really your friend and you've had it out, then you know your friends when you can come back. Right. You go, okay, so we must be friends because even though we had it out, we're back on, you know, we're trying to do this thing together. Right. Yeah, Danny's victory. Danny's victory was a horse, you know, had everything against him last time, and he just zoomed them again. Wow. I know they went fast, but I'm just saying you went on. I didn't like them really. I, I, I singled them. I bet on him, and I didn't believe he could still win. And he just just keeps coming roaring down that lane. And he's fifteen have, to one morning line. I saw too. So yeah, here's some Look at that. five claimer, five claimer, <laughs> seven claimer. And I think there it is there. You know, you see this horse, you know, he's running subpar races and then in for five claiming and he wins. And I think it's that confidence or whatever. Maybe it's the aha moment, even though he's won before that. He wasn't a maiden by any stretch. And just one, two, three, four, five, you know, seven Cracker Jack races since then and, and runs his lifetime best last time, right? I have two final questions for you, Tommy. Um, the first is, what are your go-to wagers? Do do you lean on the um, horizontals, or what's your what's your favorite type of wager? Yeah, daily doubles, pick threes, pick fours. You know the the you know, 
I'm a multi-race better and sometimes two races is easier than three, but sometimes that second leg is not there. So you got to go race one and first leg, third leg. Gotcha. I, I usually don't like betting into a race by itself. Okay. Exactas, tri, supers, that's not my thing. Yeah, I, I've, I've always liked, you know, doubles, pick threes, and as pick fours came available because – in handicapping horizontals, you only have to find the winner, which there's a lot of nine to fives in, in races that don't like to win. So you can toss them. And I don't, and you know, when you're playing exactas and triples, you know, it's a whole different aspect of, okay, well, this horse can get in the money. Don't have to worry about that with horizontal. Yeah, we're not programmed to pick for third and fourth, are we? No, we're not. Nope. Oh, that's why even, I, stick. even though last week during our Derby podcast, I told Eric that um, Honor AP would run fourth. <laughs> so see, I, I, see, if someone came up and told me, he goes, use this 40 to one shot, you know, on the bottom of your supers. If I thought the horse had a chance, I'd play him on top. It's just my nature. So. Right. Well, I, it, after, after spending – good part of an hour and a half plus talking to you i i definitely see that eric is cut from your same mold <laughs> because you guys have uh the same type of uh thought process uh which is a good thing because you're yeah, I'm, very I'm impressed with eric eric uh doing his work having worked on that woodbine more more ahead of he's ahead of me because I've, I've got lazy lately so i haven't really been doing my homework <laughs> Like I think I'm behind the whole month of August. I'll tell you, I, I was not working for six months. Um, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and we were home and then I had the summer off and I was betting like four or five days a week. And it's just too much because I spent hours on each program and it was killing me. So it's what you said at the beginning really kind of struck me. Um, you know, it, it was so much that it was like now, I'm, now that I'm only betting on the weekends, really, I'm back to work. I, I'm so looking forward to it. Um, and, and I can spend time in a program and all that. So I, I really, I really like that aspect of this, but I was betting, which I shouldn't have Foner Park and Will Rogers. And I was all over the place. Um, I was doing well early, really well early in the year. So I'm like, yeah, I'm on a hot streak. Let me just keep it going. So, uh, you know, I was betting yeah, you all know, well, the best advice I'll give anyone stick to one track. Yeah. And, you know, not only is, I believe me, I have to get prodded off of, uh, Naira to bet Woodbine. Oh. You know, so it took convincing to do that. But the thing is with Woodbine, they run from April right through to December. They don't go anywhere else. Yeah. And to me, it's the easiest track to follow that way. Right. And, and believe me, I'm the first guy synthetic. I'm never coming to the track again. <laughs> and then after I bet it for two weeks, I didn't go to the, I, I quit Woodbine. Right. I quit. I go, I'm not betting this shit. I can't bet this shit. Because I was programmed, you know, for the speed horse and the, right. the speed horse stretching out. And and then when I, you know, got pushed back into Woodbine, when I looked at it, okay, so now we're going to bet the closer that's cutting back. You know, you adapt, you know, it takes a while to adapt, but it's, to me, every there should be synthetic and nothing else. I know it's, it'll never happen in a million years. No turf, no dirt, synthetic and only synthetic. Wow. That's how strongly I feel about that. As a handicapper, if you want to bet biases and all this other stuff, right, fine. If you want to bet horses, synthetic is the greatest thing ever. 
And I hated it. I hated it. Trust me. I, I stopped playing it. I didn't play it for years. Hmm. You know, and I was just stubborn. But when I got pushed back into it and you just take a step back, start anew and change everything. And that's the whole secret to becoming a great horse player is keep changing. Unless you're picking, you know, winners every race, you're doing something wrong. So you got to keep evolving, changing. Don't be stubborn. Don't set yourself in any kind of set ways, you know, or, you know, key, always key in the last leg of the pick four or using all in the, all that stuff is just, just forget about all that open mind. And, and like I said, the, the best advice, 20 minutes handicapping, 40 minutes formulating bets. Nice. Great advice. Well, Tommy, one last question. You're a world travel. You go wherever, wherever, whenever you want. You, you know, this is your job. Is there anywhere or anything that you haven't done that you want to do involved in horse racing? Okay. <laughs> Lucky you threw the horse racing. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to censor it, leap it out. <laughs> no, you know what? Right now it's just basic, man. I want I want to be at Belmont with you guys or right. Keeneland with my Keeneland family. I'm getting to go, you know, like I've been going to Woodbine out on the apron and watching races here and then with my trainer. I got my hot, hot walkers license, so I'll walk over with them. And and it's not the same. I'm getting to go to the Queen's Plate. I got a little, you know, invited because of my wagering action. It's a, just to see people, man. I said it, to, you know, I was talking to one of the girls at Woodbine that works at Woodbine, right? Great to see you, this and that, right? She goes, you miss it? I go, I miss the people I hate. <laughs> Never mind the people I like. <laughs> So I just can't wait. No, I'm I'm really excited just to see people. Sure. These people, you know, they become your family. The waitresses, the mutual clerks, the other guys. You don't notice it, right? It just seems like they're just people at this place I go to. But I miss I miss walking up the stairs, going to get my coffee. You know, the the janitor. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. What do you like today? You know, and talk to him and try to you know don't bet win place. You jinx me, right? No, 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 no. I don't tell nobody, don't worry, you know, going through that routine and just, sure. you know, it's like, it seems like nothing. And then you miss people. I don't even know the guy's name and I miss them. You know what I mean? Wow. It's just like, it's me, man. The horses are me. The, the track is me. I'm sure you guys kind of feel the same way about yeah. it. Right. Yeah. But for me, it's everything. And this, this is the worst year of my life. Can't go, can't go to the tracks. I can't go to Keeneland. I can't go. I right. couldn't go to Saratoga for a week. You know, can't go to yeah. my own track and sit where I want to sit. And it's, you know, that's all I want, man. I just want, I just want to be able to, you know, you know, even Pimlico, geez, let me go to Pimlico. <laughs> yeah, I'll even take that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Gary. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, sure. for me, it's everything. It's my whole life. It's my of whole course. life. There's nothing else. You know, yeah. I want to be, I want to go, you know, I want to go to Florida in the winter and hang around Gulfstream, even though I don't bet it. Mm -hmm. I just feel safe. I feel good around a racetrack, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, you know, I can go if I really want to, and that's all I think about every day. Should I go to to your country, you know, to the U.S. with all this shit going on? Right? Yeah, right. You know, not only the virus, the election, oh, all God. that. And me with health problems, the cold weather just crucifies me. It just I really want to go. I know I shouldn't go, and it's every day. I open up the real estate sites and look, and I go, okay, you're not going, <laughs> but I want to go, man. I want to be at a racetrack. Yeah. You know, well, if you could build me if you could build me a little 
400 square foot room somewhere overlooking a racetrack, that would be my place. Awesome. And, and that's it, man. In a nutshell, that's what I am. Sad or or not, right? To some people, it might seem sad. For <laughs> horse players, they get it. I could care less. That's what I want to be, where I want to be. Nice. Hey, you know, uh, all the more power to you. You're 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 living the life that you want to live. You know, it's it, it's not for everybody, but you know what? I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people who envy you. You know, you know what I tell people who want to do what I do? I said, it's simple. Sell your house, quit your job, bring me the cash, and I'll take it from there. And they say, what are you, crazy? I go, no, you are. Stick at work. Your <laughs> mind is great. You know, this game is hard, man. I, listen, oh, yeah. I've, learned to, I've learned to get a lot of advantages in this game that most people can't. Sure. Right? And especially in your country, you can't get the advantages I have. Trust me. We'll talk about it one day. And it's only through those advantages that I can overcome it. And I'm not talking about Hong Kong, right? That's right, just, yeah. you know, I'm talking about beating the game consistently, sure. right? I got huge advantages and, you know, and 30 years of getting my teeth kicked was even more important. And uh-huh. it's not an easy thing, man, but if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do what I said. Yeah. Go all in yeah. and I'm telling no one to do that. Stick to your, what you know, exactly. limit your losses, have fun. Exactly. Well, once again, Tommy, thanks a lot for going the duration with us, and you're more than welcome to join us any any other time. Well, all you guys got to do is ask, and no problem, man. You guys, right. we're, we're we're brothers, man, right? That's right. It's yeah. great, great seeing you, even though it's just on a. No, a, me too, man. You're the first guy, guys, I've had over. I had Four Natalie and Mar- Matt Bernier over last week. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to leave it off the air to, to, to finish this thing up. Uh, really appreciate your time and best of luck in, in the future. And hopefully when this pandemic uh, goes over, we'll, we'll meet again at uh, some racetrack. For sure, man. Can't wait. Thanks guys. Thank All you. right. Thank you, Tommy. Appreciate you Take being care. here. Take care. And listeners, thank you. That was a great segment with uh, Tommy Mathis. We thank him for coming on. Hope you picked up some tips. I definitely learned a lot there. So I'm sure everyone out there did as well. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy the Queen's Plate. And we'll speak to you next week. So long.